the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. And now, it's the Rob Black Podcast. You can hear Rob live every weekday morning from 10 to noon on 910 AM and talk910.com. Call Rob, 1-800-345-5639. Here's Rob Black on 910 AM. More stimulating talk. It's Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. What day is it? Wednesday? Tuesday. Oh, good God. The week is already moving too slow, isn't it? This is a call-in show. It's a show dedicated to your retirement. 800-345-5639 if you want to talk about it. We can talk about anything you want to talk about. We can talk about the, the elections. Did you vote today? In the primaries in the state of California. We can talk about the state of California. Is this state worth saving? Can it be saved? Will it save itself? We can talk about anything that you really want to talk about. You know, we can talk about Winnie the Pooh. Why would we talk about Winnie the Pooh? Disney character. And uh, that little tub has been basically making them money for years and years and years and years and years. It's an investment idea, right? Investment ideas really take time to play out. When you invest in something, you're investing in it. You've heard the phrase, go invest in a college education. It will pay off over time. College education takes four years. And yet when we look at sometimes investing in the stock market, we look at four days. It's not doing what I want it to do. Pepper shaker under the eye. Pepper shaker. If you ever know how you get pepper out of a pepper shaker, you rotate it. So put your hand up to your eye and rotate it. It looks like you're crying. So investment's not doing what it wants to do. But then again, it's interesting to note. Maybe you bought it on the wrong day. Maybe you just happened to wake up on the wrong day and saying you wanted to buy something and you wanted instant gratification. Aha! That's the trick. Most of us want instant gratification, not investments. That's the truth. That's the truth. I mean, a man walks into a a bar and sees a woman with good birthing hips and she's kind of frumpy. Got a degree from Harvard. Not the prettiest girl on the planet. But that would be a good investment in your future. Smart woman, good birthing hips. Going to make you good, smart babies. But we want that instant gratification. We want the fake boobs. And for the record, fake boobs hate them. Hate them. Find them to be unattractive. And for some reason, I think I'm the only man that's ever said that out loud. I find them unattractive. I'd rather have a, a good mangled pair that's been chewed on by babies than a fake boobs. Like, ugh. But again, it's only taking me about two minutes to get off topic. Let's hit some of the business news, the headline news that's out there. The New York Stock Exchange opened a day with some reassurances from the Federal Reserve Chairman Ben Bernanke about the economic recovery. This was important today. The Dow is up 74. The Nasdaq down 9. The S&P 500 up 5. Now, you don't want your Federal Reserve chairman to be a cheerleader. But at the same time, when people are selling for no good reason, and there's some good reason out there, the Gulf, how much damage is that going to do to obvious direct problems, plumes of oil underwater killing animals, plumes of water, oil underwater killing Fishies that we eat, our babies grow 
two heads, three heads. The bears in the oceans or the bears in the wilderness, you know, suddenly become crazy and attack people in the city. We don't know the damages yet. It's it's far more than you think. It's not just tourist season this year. It's maybe tourism season for the foreseeable future in the entire Gulf of Mexico. The Gulf of Mexico is nice. It's Mexico. It's Florida. It's Tampa. It's nice. It's a great place to, to tour. It's not as nice as Hawaii, but it's it's a good second. It's a, I think it's far better than Atlantic Coast beaches. So we still don't know the whole economic ramifications. So there's reasons to be worried. There's North Korea. has got a communist leader who wants to blow up the world, wants to show the world that his, his aging mind is as strong as ever and that he's not feeble. You've got problems in Europe. You've got problems in Israel potentially killing innocent people. Did they? Did they not? Did they know? Did they not know? You know, how do you sanction that? How do you punish that? You got Greece and austerity problems. You got Spain. I got a cut later in the show on Spain that's going to make you roar with laughter. Uh, you got some issues out there. There is no doubt about it. But Ben Bernanke's out there to say, you know what? It ain't so bad. Fed Reserve Chairman Ben Bernanke's confident the economy's picking up. He points to strong private sector indicators since the beginning of the year. Still, Ben Bernanke says the economy's on the right track, but not the fast track. My best guess is that we'll have a continued recovery, but it won't feel terrific. And the reason it won't feel terrific is because it's not going to be fast enough to put back 8 million people who lost their jobs within a few years. It's going to take a while. Holy mackerel. I got a caramel in my mouth. I thought that that, that clip was going to last a little bit longer. Hold on a second. Okay. We should almost replay that clip because I now forgot what he said. He said it's going to take more than a few months to put back those 8 million workers back to work. It could take a few years. Okay, what's that mean to you and me? Keep in mind, I have this thesis that we work from age 20 to 60. Real estate hit a high in 2006. And if it takes a few years to get employers to get the private sector back to 2006 levels, unemployment of 6-7%. That means this this housing recession is going to be at least playing out till 2012, 2013. I think it's more like 2015 before the fundamentals catch up with the prices. Doesn't mean we go down for the next four years. Could mean we go sideways. Could mean we, could, we do nothing. I don't see any rational thought in my head why it would go up. And the stock market... Companies can do something slightly different than the housing market can do. Stock market can fire people. They can get more productivity out of the current people they have. They can slowly bring people back as demand comes back. Interesting. So Ben Bernanke says it's going to be, we're not on the fast track. We're not off track, but we're not on the fast track. Tend to agree with him. He's got one of those beards that kind of freaks me out. It's just one of those, yeah, it's not quite well groomed right but I, I tend to agree with him on the statement. Jobs aren't going to come roaring back, and they're going to take time. What we don't want is our government, whether it be state, whether it be local, whether it be federal, to borrow money that we don't have in tax money to create public jobs. What we want is tax cuts for the private sector to create jobs. It's that friggin' easy. You give me an incentive to hire Heidi, Heidi makes basically minimum wage as a producer in radio. You give me an incentive in California to start a new company and hire her and say, you know what, as a worker, basically minimum wage, I'm going to bring you along and I'm going to, you know, I, I've seen your talent, I've seen your loyalty, I've seen your rigorous, I've seen your tenacity. 
I think I can get you up to 60000 pretty fast. She'd be like, yes, please. But I need that incentive from the, from the government. If I'm going to get taxed 50% of my profits. If it's going to you know, be a permit that takes me two years to get, screw that. I'll just go to another state. Anyway, that's the, the big headline news out there today. There's one more story that really tells you what's wrong with our economy or what's wrong with the world economy, more correctly. The White House today has asked government departments to cut their budgets by 5%. This is something we don't do often. We don't cut departments. President Barack Obama, and I say, who, who, cheer to President Barack Obama for this. His top fiscal advisor, Peter Orzag, he said non-security agencies will have to find ways to trim spending. We are asking each agency to develop a list of their bottom 5% performing discretionary programs as measured by their impact in furthering the agency's mission. This will include both security and non-security agencies. Drop in the bucket, I say. 5% not enough. We need to get more like 5, 10, 15, 20%. 5% a year each year for the next three years. Why? Why? Is it a vowel? Is it not a vowel? It's tough to say sometimes, isn't it? But the U.S. national debt recently rose to $13 trillion for the first time in the country's history. Go right down $13 trillion. It's going to stun you how much money we owe as a nation. Now, thank God, if there is a stock God, thank you, stock God, that we're borrowing a lot of money right now at incredibly cheap rates, and China's nice enough to, do, to lend us the cash, and we're nice enough to give them an almost nothing rate of return on it. But $13 trillion is a number. It's a problem. So we got to cut that. And cutting government spending 5% in each agency, it's a Band-Aid. It's a Band-Aid on a neck wound. Patients bleeding out. Patients United States of America. It's just a Band-Aid. It's not enough. Anyhow, let's talk a little bit about um, the iPhone yesterday, the Jesus phone. The big thing was the video chat feature. It's called FaceTime, and I've been talking about it now for a while. Chats can be conducted only with other iPhone users, and it can only be conducted on the Wi-Fi network. Now, jobs and the phone's not available until the end of the month, but this is a nice step up. It's a nice step up. Video chats are nice because think about, and again, I'm too old now, but think about when you're 20, 21, 22 and dating and you're hot and you're sexy. And well, now you're going to be able to show your partner you're hot and sexy. I like that. I think that's cool. Think about if you're a dad, you're now going to be able to show your kids on the phone. Hey, it's dad. He's on a business trip in Richmond, Virginia. We love you. Yay. Cool. It's only been done through a Wi-Fi. And, I mean, people at Skype are like, yeah, yeah, big deal. We've been doing that for years. Big deal. We've been doing that for years. But Apple's, you know, they're they're embracing it, and it's a good thing. So it's a high-resolution display. It's powered by the A4 chip. It's the same chip that's in the iPad, by the way. It's got better battery life. The Wi-Fi limitation on that video chat FaceTime thing, what's interesting to note about that is clearly AT&T is stressed out of their freaking mind with their wireless network. And transmitting and receiving video is one of the most data-intensive uses of the smartphone. So uh, Apple's playing along. They're going, we, we, see, we, we see you. We see you. Like the Avatar statement, I see you. So uh, Apple's playing along with AT&T. Now, AT&T announced it's going to limit customers' use of the wireless data and impose fees on the heaviest users. We heard about that earlier in the week. They're going to charge a little bit more for high-end users of data, a little bit less for low-end users, but most people are going to fall somewhere in between. What's interesting to note is I'm going to give you the Wall Street reaction plus two stock reactions to what Apple had to say yesterday. 
because it, it, a gadget's a gadget to you and me. We love them. But what does Wall Street think about it? Because a lot of us have put investment dollars into Apple. There's a lot of companies that do business with Apple, and I'll tell you how they responded yesterday. Plus, got a little bit more on what's happening in the stock markets. I got some real disposable income. Who's going to get elected? Who's not going to get elected? At 11.15, I'm going to give away a 19-inch, a chance to win a 19-inch monitor. It's kind of a cool contest. you got to listen to a keyword. I'm going to tell you at 11.15, one hour from now. Then you rush, 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 rush to talk910.com, talk910.com. You find the Rob Black page. You find the contest page. You put in your name, your email, and the secret word of the day, which I'll tell you in one hour. And then you'll be, if you win today, you'll be one of four chances to win on Friday. So you actually got to be a double winner. You got to win once on either Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And you got to also be a, a fast dialer on Friday. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. It's 800-345-5639. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. Rob Black and your money on 910 AM. More stimulating talk. And now, Rob Black. I always talk about getting your butt to retirement. And it's actually kind of funny because everything that I do during the summer times, like I, I camp and I hike and I, I beach and I pool and I go on exotic vacations and I, I bicycle and I barbecue and I garden. I do everything wrong. Like, for instance, when I garden, I'm throwing out Roundup, not wearing any masks. I'm throwing out chemicals here and there, uh, not doing my tetanus shot that I'm supposed to do. When I'm barbecuing, I don't use any gloves. I don't use any protective tools. I've been singed once on my eyebrows, and thank God that was it. When I bicycle, I don't wear a helmet because real men don't wear helmets. I, I grew up before helmets. I can't imagine wearing a helmet. Helmets are just, I've got too big of a head. When your noggin is XXXL and your body's like, I mean, I'm not thin and svelte, but my head's much bigger than my body, I think. Exotic vacations, hey, I go where the, the, the vaccinations are needed and the outbreaks are needed. And, you know, heck, when you're going with, you know, camping, you should know a little first aid here and there. So, and I don't. I don't. I talk about getting into retirement, and yet I live dangerously. I think we all do here and there. Let's go to Mike in Marin County. Mike, 800-345-5639, 800-345-5639. How are you, Mike? I'm doing well, Rob. Last time I spoke with you, I failed miserably at your frequent listener trivia questions, but you liked my call nonetheless. You want, um, you want to do a trivia question real quick? Go ahead. Okay. I'm thinking about starting up a contest on Fridays, kind of like, I'm trying to prep for prime time and to get to ready for prime time. I have to have more games and, and, and good material, but I got to prep it. Okay. So here, and maybe Heidi can give us a winner sound or a loser sound if she's ready. Um, and it, I'm thinking about, it's called stock market jeopardy, stock market jeopardy or business jeopardy. And, and the category would be CEOs, CEO, and you got to do it in jeopardy style. Okay. CEO of Microsoft. Who is Bill Gates? No, who is Rob? This is Alan, I believe. No, it's not Paul Allen. It's not Bill Gates. You're a loser again. Steve Ball. Steve Ballmer. So, but see, that was a trick question because everyone thinks it's Bill Gates. Yeah, I know. And afterwards, I realized absolutely not it's him. But I don't own any Microsoft. And I don't follow him. So, okay. would would you be turned off if I gave like this huge cash prize, like ten thousand dollars of my own money? And yet I made the questions impossibly difficult. 
Absolutely not. Would it be funny if, like, I, I, I do, like, eight easy questions and I make two just impossibly difficult questions? If it's your money, you have the right to do it with what you, what you please, and I would absolutely make them super difficult. But it would be funny because people would, like, think they're going to win money. Like, I'd do an easy question. What's the ticker symbol of Microsoft? What's the, t- you know, uh, who's the CEO of, of Apple? And then I'd get to, like, what's the smallest city in West Virginia? And, like, no one would know that. And that's, that's where the humor would be because they'd be all frustrated. Yes, I like it. I like it, too. Anyway, what can I help and, you And I'm failing the easy questions, and I like it. What does it say about me? There you go. You're, you're a champ. You're a pro. You're a professional. Look it up. Go to Wikipedia. Look up professional. Look up champ. Picture of Mike. There you go. Um, and by the way, income is never disposable. It's always discretionary, all for except a few people like Mr. Gates and our friend over at Berkshire Hathaway. But anyway, I won't go there. You know, there's actually um, there's actually a story that I got on that um, called Real Disposable Income that I'm going to get to a little bit later. And you listen to it because I think it, it's even more disposable than you think. I'm going to I'm going to swoo you on this. I'm going to I'm going to sway you on it. Swoo you. What am I I'm making up words? But anyway, what can I help you with today, Mike? I had a, a stat that I read recently, and I found very interesting, and it was, I believe, in the Wall Street Journal. It was a tracking of uh, government, government, and by the way, this speaks to the minuscule reductions that we are getting on our government for, uh, what, 5% or something like that. Um, okay. so it spoke to tracking what government tax, federal government tax receipts were relative to gross domestic product for the last 60 years, and it's never exceeded 19.5% regardless of the tax environment. And, in fact, that number, and I don't have the stats off the top of my head as to where it shrunk, but there was a greater disparity between uh, federal government tax receipts versus uh, gross domestic product at times of recession, as you can imagine. So, um, you know, these cuts are very, very small. Uh, There's tremendous pressure for our government to increase taxes because they have been overspending for eons now. And, uh, yeah, I'm just making the statement that they will increase their confiscatory uh, levels of taxation, as will our beloved state of California, and they will find that the percentage of receipts relative to gross domestic product will only be reduced. I hear you. Let me throw out some numbers to kind of have you hit home, because I think it'll make a little bit more sense if I do this. And thanks for the call, Mike. And, again, I truly dig your calls because I think they're well thought out. If not well-spoken, well-thought-out. Um, there's different ways that our government collects sources of revenue versus what they spend. The total tax revenue as a percentage of GDP. We fall into right about 28% of our total tax revenue as a percentage of GDP. Now, you can see Mexico is at 9%. You can see Laos at 10%. You can see Iceland at 40%. Now, Iceland gets you free the health care. So, like, different countries get you different things. Norway, 43% of the money taxes go towards their their GDP. So what's interesting to note about this is in the United States, there's only so many ways where our government is able to get revenue. 45% comes from the individual tax tax income. So the individual covers about 45% of our our, our federal budget spending. 36% is done by payroll taxes. 12% by corporations as far as income tax, 3% excise taxes and 4% other. So it's interesting to note when you look at a chart, 45% of the individual income. You add on the corporate, the payroll taxes, which, come on, let's face it, that's you and me as well. It's, it's coming out of our paycheck. Now it's also coming out of the employer's paycheck too. So it's a little bit misleading. But um, 
36%. So again, that's like your social security. That's, that's going to the federal government and it's going to their spending, even though they're not saving it. So that's a pretty shocking number. And it's, it's not a good, good thought. Let's go to Diana in San Diego. Diana. Oh, hi, Rob. Uh, I just wanted to know what would be good as far as uh, first buying stocks. Uh, this is my first time buying um, stocks and just wanted to know which, what would be some good picks. Okay. Um, couple questions for you. How old are you? How old are you, Diana? Uh, I'm 45. Okay. Now, do you have a 401k? Do you have mutual funds and yeah. index funds? Yeah. We all here at work, we go through Fidelity. And uh, I know this, on the list there's Vanguard. It's a couple other choices on there. But I did open up an ING account, and I wanted to pick some, some uh, good stocks. They had a more better variety out there. So I wanted to know... Um, what should I buy? It's a tough question. Um, it, it, and I don't like answering this kind of question because I, I think it's a question that's flawed. Oh, okay. And let me throw it out to you, and thanks for the call. I love stocks. I love buying stocks. I love picking stocks. I love selling stocks. I don't mind losing money. I love making money. Not everyone could say everything I just said. I don't mind stocks in a down market. I love stocks in a, a down market. I hate stocks in an up market. Um, everyone looks smart in an up market, and I hate that. If I were a beginner, and I and again, I don't think, Diana, average people should buy individual stocks so they have at least $100,000 in their 401k until you at least have enough money that it, it almost not becomes minus, minuscule. So the first stock that I want you to buy is going to be 5% of your total net worth. So if you're worth $100, I want you to spend 5 bucks. I don't want you to bite off more than you can chew. I want you to be in index funds and mutual funds for most of your money. And for one year, I want you to buy one stock and see how it trades and get a feel for it. Get a good feel for a Democrat president, get a feel for a Republican president, get a feel for a good economy, get a feel for a bad economy. Experience really matters when it comes to picking stocks. If I were to pick one stock and one stock alone, I'd say something like Pepsi, Johnson & Johnson. I would say something like Procter & Gamble. I would go really simple for my first stock. I don't want to mess you up, and I don't want you to get fearful. And even more important, Diana, I don't want you to get greedy. Because once you see how easy it is to make money in stocks, you're going you know, to put too much in. You're going to go from 5% to 50 to 60 to 70%. And then Obama's going to fall off of a, a bicycle and, and bump his head. And you're going to go, uh-oh, there goes my investments. Because now we're going to say, like, do we really want you know, the vice president in, in command? Like, we don't know. So I, I tend to really go safe. I like Pepsi. I like their diversification. I like their stock buybacks. I like their CEO. I like buybacks. I think that's critically important to me. Um, I like dividends. I think that's critically important for the long-term success. If I were to go for like a restaurant stock, maybe I'd go Yum, Yum Brands, which is Kentucky Fried Chicken. It's Pizza Hut. It's a lot of stuff that you and I both know in America. Um, I wouldn't go for a broken stock. I, you know, like a Bank of America to me is, st is still a little broken, but for your first stock, it's a little bit mutt. It's a little aggressive. Um, I wouldn't go with Apple. It's gone too far too fast. I think it can go higher. I'd go with McDonald's. I think we're going to be selling Big Macs the day you die, and I think that's important. Um, would I expect to make money in year one on McDonald's? No. 
Uh, what else? I, I would keep it incredibly simple on anything that you pick up. And again, there's no shame in, in owning a Pepsi and seeing how it trades and how it pays its dividend. It won't get you in trouble. A lot of winning on Wall Street, it isn't about being the prettiest. It's about not being the ugliest. It's not about being the smartest. It's about not being the dumbest. It's not about being the fastest, but it's definitely about not being the slowest. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in the air. It's 800-345-5639. Coming up, business of sports. And right after that, I'm going to get to some of the winners and losers for that Apple announcement yesterday. Plus, I got more content. I got a story on disposable income and what it means during the election season. How much do we really have in our pockets when it's all said and done? Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. You're listening to Rob Black and your money on 910 AM. More stimulating talk. A little bit about me. Because I truly believe that the world revolves around me at times. You know, as a kid, I was freaked out. I needed a therapist so bad as a kid. I'd look at people in cars and it would freak me out that they had lives like I did. It just, it, I'd ponder it and just go, it's ponderous. It's, it's, it's momentous. Anyway, um, a little bit about me. Dr. Pepper Snapple, they made a deal yesterday with Coca-Cola. And Coca-Cola is going to distribute them for the next 20 plus years. And what's interesting to note about this is it's all about the, the freestyle machine. Coke's got a high-tech freestyle machine, a touchscreen fountain that dispenses more than 100 different flavors. Now, Dr. Pepper Snapple has never really gotten into fountain customers. They're great with bottles. They're great with cans. But they've struggled at soda fountains. It's it's wild for me. Like, I don't even use soda fountains anymore. I mean, you almost have to go to like a 7-Eleven to use a soda fountain. But there's a new touchscreen technology. And do you remember as a kid, um, Coke machines? And then, geez, in the late 80s, mid-80s, Coke machines started talking to you. And that, that technology, thank God, died. <laughs> You'd go up to a Coke machine and go, you know, I'd like to buy a world of Coke. Do, 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 do. And then... You're like, I hate it. After one after one listening, you hated it. It was already redundant. So anyway, um, back in the late 1990s, we talked about Coke machines and how maybe on hot days, they'd be able to jack up the price of a soda from a buck and a quarter to a buck 50. And on cold days, they'd be able to drop the price of the soda from a buck 25 to a buck. So turns out the, the winner is a, a, a machine that can now mix 100 different types of sodas for you. Pretty interesting. And for the record, if anyone ever wants to buy me anything, I love the Fruit Punch Snapple. Hate every other brand of Snapple. Hate them. I'm like obsessive compulsive on one thing. and one Like Winnie the Pooh had his honey. I've got my fruit punch Snapple. It's the only um, kind of soft drink that I drink other than Diet Coke. But anyway, there you go. 800-345-5639 to get your calls in there. Let's go to Carl in Petaluma. How the chickens doing in Petaluma, Carl? Uh, I don't know about, about the chickens guy. My world's revolving around you for the duration of this call. You know what's interesting, Carl? I was in Petaluma recently. And that's got a gorgeous downtown. Surprising. It's, uh, if Petaluma can survive its financial trials here, uh, it's got a chance of uh, a real renaissance, I think. I think it's a neat little old, it's old money. It's like you have to have a cow. If you have a cow, then you probably are worth a lot of money in Petaluma. Um, but it's an old money, kind of really kind of cool city. I, I really like the downtown. I thought it was kind of, kind of a place where I'd want to raise a kid. It's almost the anti-Sonoma County. I would agree with that statement. It's not very pretentious. Not a sound. So anyway, what do you got for me, Carl? 
Uh, I've got a bad case of whiplash with the market here the last uh, 10 days or so, and I'm kind of scratching my head about whether or not I just want to call it quits and hunker down and put all my money in the mattress or, or hang in there. And I'm wondering what you think the downside risk continues to be and whether or not we're going to see 1100 on the Dow anytime soon. I've got a follow-up on that. Okay. Let me give you my, my technical numbers that I'm looking at right now. So you, you're 1100 on the Dow is your big number, right? Yep. Um, eleven hundred on the Dow. You mean the S and P five hundred? Excuse you. Excuse me. Uh, eleven thousand. Okay, you think a yeah, thousand? Both my S and P uh, holdings here on the Dow. Okay, Dow Jones. Yeah. Yeah, I don't see any chance of us hitting a thousand on the S and P five hundred, unless, and this is a big unless, unless we break ten thirty three. Ten thirty three is the line in the sand for me, as far as support goes. And after that, you'll have to call me back for an update. So uh, there's a lot of support right at 1033. On the Dow, there's a lot of support at 9670. Um, And I'm coming up with a list of negatives and a list of positives. And the positives in the U.S., we've got some good things going on. So says Ben Bernanke. That's bottom line. I kind of agree with that. Uh, The unemployment numbers are bad. The stimulus is still there, and it's still going to be playing out for the rest of the year and next year. So we got a lot of government spending there, kind of buying us some time. Um, but maybe if you think Democrats route the Republicans in this election cycle this year, then you would be a little bit more concerned because they seem to be killing our disposable income with more taxes. Um, they give us more services, but we lose more money in our own pocket to make our own decisions. So, um, yeah, I see 1033 as the next level of support. Right now, the level of support is today. There's a third level of support, 1044. Um, 1033 is the next level down, though. Okay. Uh, Vanguard recently reopened their Vanguard Convertible Securities Fund, VCVSX. Yep. And uh, what are your thoughts on that? What does that mean for, for investors? I'm not a big fan of bond funds because if we get into an environment with higher interest rates, you're screwed. I mean, you get murderlated. And that's going to happen at some point, not now, but by the end of the year, maybe. And you need to stay on top of this. For now, till the end of the year, I think this is a good place to be. Current income, long-term capital appreciation, normally invest at least 80% of its money in convertibles. If you take a look at the holdings of this fund, uh, it's got names like Micron and Ford and uh, Invitrogen and Equinox. You know, numbers that are companies that are paying 2% to 5%. So nothing too crazy. When you look at historical on how it's done, it's got mostly up years, 17 up years, 6 down years. Um, but again, I think it's a better investment in a lower interest rate environment, not a higher interest rate environment. We're in a neutral interest rate environment now. So I'm kind of sideways on it. Let's go to Andreas and Cupertino. Hey. Hi. Um, I'm a student and I'm wondering whether working for the summer. So I'm wondering if I should like do some uh, stock investing. Sure. Uh, who are you working? How old are you, Andreas? I'm turning 21 this year. Okay. And where are you going to be working this summer? Um, right now I work at Starbucks, but okay. I'm trying to figure out a full-time job, so. Okay. Um, with Starbucks, are they going to let you buy into the 401k as a part-time employee, or do you have to be a full-time employee? Uh, I am currently a part of uh, the 401k. Okay. And uh, that's 15% of my paycheck. Andreas, that's the best thing you can do, um, in my opinion, is max out that 401k. Um, don't get a girl pregnant right now. Get your college degree and max out that 401k just so you can learn how it works. 
That 401k is not meant money for uh, college. It's not money for a car. It's not money for a house. It's not money for a diamond ring for your girlfriend. It's not money for anything other than your retirement. So you're going to have to wait 40 years to get a hold of it. But every dollar that you put in will double every basically eight years, maybe every seven years. So when you look at that, um, you know, that $1 that you put in will become two, will become four, will become eight, which will become $16 by the time you're ready to retire at age 58. So okay. continue I, doing that. That's a smart thing to do. All right. And by that I started doing that when I first started working, which was in three years ago. Uh-huh. Um, but what do I do with the extra money? Because it, it's maxed out the, the company that we're doing it with. Won't let me take any more, a higher percent. Right. So, like, what should I do with the excess money that I make? Should I just put it into a savings account with Bank of America, or should I put it into, like, an ING account? That's a good question, Andreas. The best thing you could do is send me an email. My email is rob at robblack.com. I have a Facebook Facebook page, group page, called I Hate Rob Black. You could do it there as well. And what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to set up an emergency fund so that later one day when you lose your job that you don't have to tap into your 401k to make bills cover. You're going to want to get a book called The New Rules About Money by a guy named Rick Edelman, and it's 88 chapters. Most of this isn't going to apply to you for the next 10 years, next five years until you're done with college, but it's The New Rules About Money by Rick Edelman. With the extra money, if you want to set up a savings account with like a Vanguard or Fidelity, that's great. Bank of America, the interest rate's going to be incredibly low. Um, maybe an online bank with Ally Bank, A-L-L-Y, or maybe with something like... Um, E-Trade, but what you do, or ING Direct, ING Direct, those are all good ways to do it. But typically with saving and investing, you want to get a $2,500 chunk of money per each time that you do it. Fidelity and Vanguard kind of have those minimums out there. You can get away with a little bit less, but the 401k is your best, best, best choice. And then I would open up a Roth IRA with Fidelity or Vanguard and put some money in a money market account until you get enough money to uh, you know, buy some shares of a mutual fund with it. But drop me an email, Andreas. I'll, I'll, I'll be your little mentor uh, because people like you are the reason I'm doing this job. 800-345-5639. It's 800-345-5639. Coming up at 1115, I'm going to give away a secret word, which gives you a chance to win a 19-inch monitor on Friday because I love you. Uh, Secret Word coming up at 11.15, brought to you by Bill Rockefeller and Geeks on Call. He's the guy who comes to my house and fixes my computer when it goes down. He also does corporations and things like that. Really smart guy, good guy, guy to have a beer with, good guy. 800-345-5639 to get your calls there. It's Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black. You're listening to Rob Black and your money on 910 AM. More stimulating talk. Hey, I'm going to be giving away a monitor in blah, 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 22 minutes or so. I love what I do. I appreciate what I do. I feel lucky to have this chance to do what I do. Uh, going to be giving away a chance to win a monitor in 22 minutes and... Um, you know, I'm always looking to get better. I'll, I'll be quite honest with you. Some of your feedback's great, and some of it's totally off base. Sometimes people want me to like, hey, can you talk a little bit more about the treasury market? If I talk about the treasury market, the dial goes to zero. I mean, it's just gone. So I can't do that. But if you ever have any really good content ideas, like, and again, a good content idea where we can mix business with information, with entertainment, like stock market jeopardy. Great idea. It's a lot of work to pull off, but I'm committed to it. 
So uh, any great ideas that you have that mix information with business, with education, with infotainment, I'm all up for. So send them my way, Rob at robblack.com. It's Rob at robblack.com. In 21 minutes, I'm going to be giving away a chance to win a monitor from Geeks on Call. It's just a nice little bit of swag. And oh, by the way, next uh, 15th, next Tuesday, Tuesday night at this uh, very same day, one week from today, I'm going to be going over to Jack London Square and going to be doing a, a quick, you know, just have a beer with Rob Black. It's absolutely positively not sponsored by Clear Channel. It's just a informal five to seven, you know, play some pool you know, say hello kind of thing. And if you listen to commercial breaks, you can hear a little bit more about it there. Um, let's go to Jim in Novato. Jim? You there? I am. Excellent. I got a quick question about an employee stock purchase plan. Um, basically, I work for Comcast, so I get some a plan through them. My question is how large should I let that get and or not let that get before I want to start looking at putting that somewhere else? I look at it as 5% myself of your total net worth. Um, I look at it as Comcast, and I love Comcast on a lot, a, lot, a lot of levels, hate them on a lot of other levels. They're your employer. They already are covering your mortgage payment. They're covering your health insurance. They're covering your cable bill. They're covering your car bill. They're covering a lot of things for you, Jim, in my mind. So if the CEO of the company were to go crazy and climb up a, a clock tower and start shooting kids, you're screwed. You're going to lose your job, your ability to pay your mortgage. You're going to lose a lot of things. So I, I tend not to let your – I don't confuse your investment retirement plan with your income plan. Comcast would pay you a lot more money if they could. They think you're worth it, and that's why they give you stocks. It's a tax-efficient way by – which employees of a corporation can purchase a corporation stock, typically at a discount. Discount might be 10% off the, the fair market value. I have no problem with you doing it, but on a regular basis, I would probably convert it to your investment plan or your house plan. Or I wouldn't confuse your income bucket with other buckets of your, your money issues in, in life. Gotcha. Excellent. And uh, on the flip side of that, um, I know, I know. is there a stiff penalty in regards when once we start looking into getting rid of that? Yeah, you or might have to pay. It? Yeah, you'll probably have to pay income tax on it. Um, but with that said, yeah, the one thing I don't do on the show is tax advice for legal reasons. No, because totally. I gotcha. Well, no, it's, it's weird yeah. because, like, your wife might have her own company and she gets these massive write-offs and someone else might be working at Comcast where his wife also works at Comcast and then they think that advice applies to them. So it's it's one area where I kind of hedge a little bit and just say, uh, call the IRS. Uh, they're there for you and or accountant. And the IRS, believe it or not, incredibly friendly organization. Cool. Excellent. So, one more quick one. Um, what classifies a short-term gain and long-term? Do you know the, the time frame in regards to that? Yeah, I'll talk a little bit about that um, probably in the next hour. I want to get to some other phone calls. But can you get me free cable? Uh, unfortunately, I cannot. Mm. <laughs> Can you hook me up with the, the adult channels? Uh, for whatever they have on there, unfortunately, like I said, I'm I'm bound to the agreement just as much as the customer is. Oh, what good are you? What good are you? <laughs> Thanks for the call, Jim. Let's go to David in Palo Alto. David, how are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm doing well. well thanks for taking my call. Sure. I have a question. I'm 58, just retired, married. And I would like to ask you the question from the strategy point of retirement. That next year onward, 59 and a half, I can start taking money out of my 401k or rollover IRA. Uh-huh. And I'm wondering, start doing that and not taking uh, my Social Security until 70 and a half. 
Is that a good strategy, you think? And convert all my 401k money into Roth IRA by 70 and a half. Yeah, you're going to need to sit down with a financial planner so that you can figure this out. What's the best way to draw down? Uh-huh. Typically, yeah, how much money are we talking about in the 401k? Uh, almost a million dollars. A million dollars. Yeah, and then I don't need any of them. I don't need for, uh, either this or Social Security. So yeah, then, that's my... yeah, then why draw down if you don't have to? Well, that way I can convert it because now onward I will have a look, don't have any salary. I'm just retired. Yeah, I would sit down with a financial planner, and if you need a referral to someone who can give you a five-year plan and give you the uh, options on this, okay. I'll, I'll send one to you. Like I like Bob Goldman and Marin; he's a great guy, and he'll charge you two thousand bucks, but he'll he'll give you a, a good two three hundred page document that really shows how you should draw down your money comparatively in, in retirement. Keep in mind the Social Security is going to be taxed, and the sooner you take it, the smaller amount that you get. Exactly. That's why I wanted to push that to 70 and a half, so I get maximum Social it's, Security. It sounds like you're going to be able to push both of them as exactly. long as you I can. can. Yeah. And but I would. By waiting this to 70 and a half, and when IRS makes me take minimum requirement, then I'm like double taxing, right? Because I'm getting high Social Security plus this can you Can you afford to pay the tax on converting some of your uh, IRA to a Roth IRA? Yes, because as I said, my income will be pretty low going into... Okay, so you're in a low tax bracket, but you could afford it. Yes. Okay, so yeah, I think that's part of your strategy, but by good God, David, don't plan your your retirement just off the show. Really, seriously, pay someone to help you with a financial plan because, okay. uh, for I'm instance, I don't, know, I don't know if you have health care, and you're, you are one heart attack away from losing you know, $200,000, $300,000 if you don't have health care, so... Check into that, David. And if you need a referral to anyone in the financial world, send me an email, rob at robblack.com. It's going to Phil. He's on the road. How are you, Phil? Good. Yourself, Rob? I'm okay at best. Good. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. Got a question for you regarding uh, Ipso or Imperial Sugar. Yep. Uh, what's your take on it lately? It's, I've been taking a bath on it um, over the past month or so. It had some bad reports on it. But I'm really looking at just buying into it because I have a feeling it's going to go right back to where it started from. Okay. Um, tiny dividend, low valuation. Worst case scenario, it looks like an $8 stock, $7 stock. It's right around $9.66. Um, give me just a second. Uh, Imperial Sugar, sweet spot in the field. They make Dixie Crystals, Holly Sugar, Imperial Sugar. India needs sugar, white sugar, brown sugar, powdered sugar, organic sugar. They basically make sugars, convections, and icing. Um, they own two sugar cane refineries in Georgia and Louisiana. You should check to see if oil is going to be a play on that. Because I don't know. Downgraded to sell recently. Price target of $10 on that. Suffer construction delays. Attempts to, with their refinery to get up to 100% having problems. Uh, lowering their rating, reflecting the changes of the occurring in the marketplace. Company unable to reach full production efficiency. Gross margins are going to be lower than expected. They reported a loss recently of 282 a share. Raw sugar derivative activity uh, operations significantly impacted. So they they basically bet wrong on the price of sugar. It looks like it could be an acquisition candidate for a company called CPO, which is called Corn Products. Okay. Um, that seems to be the big story out there on. Imperial Sugar. That's the best I can give you on a fast read, but uh, fundamentally, they don't seem to be doing anything right at this time. 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-345-5639 to get your calls on the air. Next hour, I'll give a little bit more color 
on imperial sugar. And I'll also talk about short-term and long-term uh, tax brackets are for those. Uh, but right now we got headline news right around the corner. And then right around that corner, we've got the one, the only win a 19-inch monitor from Geeks on Call. It's pretty easy to do. You have to listen to the show. You get a keyword coming up in 15 minutes. At that point in time, you boogie on over to talk910.com, talk910.com. You punch Rob Black in the face, and boom, there's a contest there that you could uh, punch in the keyword. You'll be a winner today, maybe. You'll be notified. And if you're a winner today, then you've got one in four chance of winning on Friday. You're listening to Rob Black and Your Money, 910 AM. Coming up, headline news. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 